This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlife In. Nice to see you. It's nice to see you. I like your jumper. Oh, it's, is it New um, Zealand wool? I haven't actually checked. It's not new. I, it came out of my mother's wardrobe. I think it might be. It might have been my mother's jumper. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> it's a remarkably good fit and color on you. Yes, I like it. It is. Yeah, it's got that really soft wool too. It's really um, fluffy. So is this now your jumper or are you just wearing it because you're cold? I'm going to just settle into it and see how it is. Yeah, live with it for a little while. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to imagine having too many jumpers. I used to think that's about coats. But now you've changed your mind. Well, now I have more coats than I have days in the week. Ah, you do have a lot of coats, don't you? I I have to layer. Like coat layer? You have to wear two coats at a time to be able to get them all out in a week so that they can all have some nice time in the sunshine or the rain. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't have that. I don't suffer from that same problem. So, yes, it's just it's nice and warm and it's on me and um, it's cosy. And also because I've been, you know, I've been away quite a while now, I'm a little bit like, I've got to wear those clothes again. Yeah, yeah. I didn't bring a lot of clothing. Yes, and of course, this is the first time that I've, hmm, I think it's the first time I've ever had to pack for a funeral months before it was going to happen. Mm, Yeah, of course. And I don't have a lot of those kinds of clothes. (laughs) But I found my, um, this is going to be quite hardly. (laughs) I know. I wanted to say to you, I wanted to just start talking, but then I also kind of want to say, we can pull the ripcord on this whenever you want. Well, also, it's just that um, all roads lead to the same place, really. Yeah. If you know what I mean. I know, I know. I have a feeling we're dancing here. Simon, we are dancing, and you know that we are, and we both know that we are. I don't know there's much to be said, except that Gabriel, my mother, died on Thursday. And it's now Saturday night. And um, I have, I've been saying to people, I just have the heaviest of heavy hearts. And um, I'm in shock, I think, even though I was, my eyes were very open to what was happening and that it was going to happen. But um, yes, I've, I've, it's, I, my my world feels unstable. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Oh, Simon, sweetheart. Yeah, but um, and I don't. The thing is, I'm you know I'm sort of also wary of talking about it in this context mm. because I don't really you know I'm not sure, frankly, how interesting it is to is to listen to a person uh, grieving. Um, but I also I also thought it would have been weird not to say it, given the the preceding weeks. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think? Well, yeah. I think your observation about something being interesting or not interesting for people to listen to is very generous. But I might humbly suggest that we have 
never concerned ourselves about whether or not we were interesting in the past. And so why start now? Exactly. If, if there is something that needs to be said, then you should feel that you can say it. Mm. I think it's in King Lear where um, he's, oh, he's asking... I that you can do this. <laughs> um, yes. And Goneril and Reagan uh, are able to do it. They're able to find flowery language to tell them. And Cordelia, his youngest and favoured child. Favourite. Yes. Um, she says something along the lines of, I can't exactly remember the quote, but she says, um, there are not words enough to wield the matter. And he's really dissatisfied with that because he wants hyperbole. Oh. But I think it's, it's, a, it's a phrase that has sat with me since I first heard it when I was probably about 15. The idea that there are not words enough to wield the matter, that sometimes language fails us. And I think in moments mm. like today, yeah. being aware that it's okay to not know how to get the things that are inside of your chest out for other people is <laughs> fine. I am um, also in the decided today, or maybe it was last night, that I would um, have a go at writing a eulogy for mum. And um, it's interesting, the Leah thing, in part because, well, first of all, what a strange idea that uh, the woman who gave birth to me and um, nurtured me, etc., is someone that at one, one day in my life I would um, speak about her to other people at her funeral. I find that, um, yeah, I do find that weird. But again, as like I say, also a pretty common thing, I imagine. Um, what was the Leah thing again? Well, the Leah thing, I said there, there are not words. The Cordelia's, the, Cordelia's. Yeah, Cordelia's speech, there are not words enough to wield the matter. Is I think it's a bastardization of it. Um, she's talking about love. So she, she, I love you more than words can wield the matter. I think it might be the exact, I love you more than words oh, yes. can wield the matter. Yeah, so, but uh, that's fine if you're talking about love. <laughs> but if you just want to press the second half of the sentence into, into service, I think it works just as well. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that very simple thing which is when what kind of what kind of circle is that when the person who taught you to speak who taught you to read who surrounded you in books um who effectively gave you the capacity to one day speak of them at their funeral like yeah do you know what i mean like and i'm and so there's something the permanence of that and the yeah, I, I find myself very um yeah, what a what a debt. Yeah. What what an extraordinary gift. Perhaps perhaps this is the perhaps this is the post structuralist in me. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna mention critical race theory there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought I'd just go I to think, something know, else that we could Oh my god, that friend of mine, Lee Miller, with that <laughs> critical race theory tick he's got. You know other people say what, like biscuit or fuck, but no, he's <laughs> critical race theory. <laughs> I literally have said it three <laughs> times in a year. Okay. <laughs> but maybe it's the post structuralist in me, but when you're talking about the um when you just said what you just said, that feels to me like the opening of, of the most beautiful eulogy to be talking about the structures that she puts in place that, that allow you 
to be able to stand here in this moment and the debt the notion of the debt and i know it's it is a kind of a it's one of those sort of literary tricks to to write your way into writing through writing yes and it's but it's also but i mean you're you are very good at it you and bob are very good at it but it's also something i, I it interests me there's it, a oh, it's the lines are between the sort of self-conscious the self-awareness slash consciousness of that yeah. and the way in which it might also feel I'm going to say heartfelt. That's it. Felt it felt heartfelt as you said that to me, mm. and i i would be I would be unmanned if I was to be sitting in a room and listening to you say that. Can you say you said unmanned? Yeah, which is just a really problematic gendered term for saying I would cry. You're an easy audience when it comes to crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We just read. <laughs> It's Lacrimose Lee and his squeaky eyes. <laughs> it's Lacrimose Lee and his squeaky eyes. Show title. And um, um, but I, I also found um, in my mother's wardrobe my dad's blazer from when he was at Sydney University. So I think I'm going to wear that to mum's funeral. I think that's beautiful. Hmm. I think uh, she'd like it. He'd like it. Uh, and um, it's not like garish colours, just to be clear. <laughs> it's like red, white, and green. Is it, one of those, stripes. is it one of those stripey ones that you see? Because that's, you know, I think, like I think the that's cricketers exactly, wear. Yeah, it's exactly. Oh, we shouldn't start yeah, talking it, about cricketers it, this week. Oh, uh, you mean because of the Yorkshire? Yeah. I think I'd just prefer it if people said, I think I'm a racist. Yeah, wouldn't it be so much quicker and easier to say, I'm sorry, I think I'm a racist. Part of that is because of the society in which I live and part of it is because I'm a dick who doesn't do any work on themselves. But the, th- it's all, I mean, the problem with that, I think, is also, you know, this is uh, old territory really, but it's, it's the equivalent of saying I'm a criminal, meaning someone who's been in prison, um, that they become, they basically tarred with that brush when they're all sorts of things, aren't they? <sighs> It's the whole them and us that we, you know, cracked open way back when. Back when our first year of midlifing. Yeah, we're now deep into our, well, like one episode, into our second Our uh, year. sophomore year. Oh, yeah. Does that mean we get to be sophomoric throughout the entire year? To them, to, to us and them, to, to, to other people, it's, it's, part of, it's part of being a social creature. In order to be a social creature, we also have to effectively anti-social, meaning they are not in this yeah. group. I, I read something really interesting the week before last, and this is one of those rare moments where I actually read it. I didn't have it read to me. I read it myself. I used my what eyes. You, what, a, what a big... You had, you, you had your big boy trousers on. Is that, uh, hey. as I've heard, so beautiful? Hey, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I was still toddling while I was reading it. Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, one day, one day I will explain what that means. But Simon knows. Are you well. sure you haven't explained what that means? Have I explained toddlering to people? I, I think you have. might have. I might. Have. Please, uh, please, faithful listeners, write in and uh, remind <laughs> us if indeed uh, I'm you confident. go. Oh yes, I know what. <laughs> I'm confident that Simon hasn't put a photograph of me toddlering up in the show notes because I would remember that for sure. I would remember that for sure. Um, I was reading with my, with my <laughs> I think eyes. our listeners would remember it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, Speaking to you, Corbatron. 
<laughs> there was there was um uh, um um an, I can't remember if she was an animal behaviorist or if she was an anthropologist or if she actually crossed over between the two. I think it was that she crossed over between the two. Her research areas was were, was in the interstices between those two territories, and she was writing about the apparent proliferation of the new notion of um, pet parents. As Pauline Houston, uh, Pauline no, Pauline Hanson in Australia used to say, please explain. Okay. <laughs> that is a deep cut, I tell that you what. Is, that is a deep cut, but yeah. I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I can anyway, explain. Anyway, yes, I don't know what you're talking about either. Okay, let me let me explain. So, the idea of pet parenting, it's been written about in a variety of kind of, uh, you know, think pieces, BuzzFeed listicles, Guardian articles, the Daily Mail, that kind of place will be writing about the preponderance of people and they'll probably throw the word millennial in there just to be shitty about it deciding it's not to have human children but instead having pets in their home and then treating their pets as if they are children and um and the the kind of the the mm, demonization is a bit strong but the the mockery of the people who who do that as if ah. you could nurture an animal in the way that you could nurture a child, and this um, this anthropologist slash animal behaviorist says, uh, actually, human beings are hardwired to nurture, and we nurture many things, many different types of things. Without nurturing, we wouldn't have agriculture, we wouldn't have had animal husbandry. So we have predisposed the species to um, to nurture. So I wanted to do that as a massive preamble to say, if I were to say, yes, I think the nature of human humanity or, or human nature, humankind, is, yeah, humankind is, is to be racist. I also want to say, and it's within our nature to nurture. It's that thing where if I say we are all racist, it then makes us singular and we're not. All I'm all I mean when I when I bring it up is we should be trying to address the systemic problems that allow us to unproblematically rule people outside of the narratives that include ourselves. The implication being that if each of us says, I'm a racist, that that somehow puts us on the path to uh, addressing those systemic uh, problems? Well, I would hope so. I would hope if we were to own that we have been socially constructed to us and them that we could work towards a recognition that there are things that have to be done and that we would be able to stop getting huffy about the notion of white privilege because that's just a, a you know that's um that's a, an artifact of of us and theming and that some people have been unproblematically able to to continue to rise up a, a ladder that they are eminently unsuited for please see Boris Johnson dozing next to David Attenborough at the COP26 conference in Glasgow. Fast asleep, like a big fucking useless house cat. That was mean. I shouldn't have said that. There's no such thing as a useless house cat. They're all delightful. Especially for all those pet parents out there who um, are <laughs> looking after their cats. It seems to me that it's either way where the the Yorkshire Cricket Council, if that's if I've got the organisation, the right organisation, says, you know, they say we, we're not racists. There's just a racist culture. 
your well, the implication is that leads to a different kind of trajectory with a different end result from if they were to say, we're a bunch of racists, we have a racist culture, and et cetera, et cetera, that, that the end result will be a better result. Well, I think saying that the Yorkshire CCC are institutionally racist is like, it kind of, for me, that sounds like a building is. Yeah. That sounds like the so ground. So you're saying and not that's taking what, responsibility. Yeah, that's sort of where I get a little bit, it, 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 I get a little bit like, I don't really understand what you mean by that because that a building can't be institutionally racist, a grounds can't be institutionally racist. What you mean is the people who occupy the roles are. So if you say that the, you know, the the Yorkshire County Cricket Club are dot, 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 dot. You're not owning your space. So to, I, I just, your space in the narrative, I just think it would, yeah, that's, I, I'm obviously asking far, far too much of a group of people who think it's okay <laughs> to use the P word and claim that that is banter. Because that P word yes. used to have another word after it in the 1980s, 70s and 80s. Yes. And that word was bashing. Yeah. That's not yeah. banter. It doesn't take long for us to remember that the word, that P word, it was followed by bashing and people with, with, with haircuts much like mine would go out looking for people and they would attack them. So let's mm. just reflect that to decide to use that language as a way to um, amusingly josh with people who have not made any move to reclaim that word is nothing but racist. It doesn't matter what the person who was on the receiving end of that word appeared to be giving back to you in those moments. Mm. I was having this conversation with, uh, you know, I said I was going to interview the uh, uh, the actor who lives across the road from me. Oh, yes. I did. How was it? It was amazing. And his family is from Pakistan. He moved here when he was three. Um, and uh, he didn't move here when he was three because I'm in Lisbon. <laughs> he moved to the UK when he was three. Um, and yeah, it was, we, we got into, we got deep into the weeds of critical race theory. There was all sorts of stuff that we talked about. It was great. It was a really good Does critical race theory have weeds? <laughs> <laughs> I meant the long grass of it. You know what I mean, you ding-dong. <laughs> I was just wondering what the weeds would look like. <laughs> they would look they would look uh, elegant and long and <laughs> sprawly and scritchety and little. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. I just like that idea about weeds, though, that they're just um, weeds or whatever that you choose them to be. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm weeds... going to pull those ones out. I'm going to call yeah. them weeds. Yeah, that's uh, here we go. Here we go back to the idea of, of uh, the human animal being nurturing, but at the same time being able to go. I will rule this out. This does not. This does not deserve mm. my nurture. So, Bob's mum would regularly come to our garden and go, "Oh, that's a weed," and we'd be looking at it and going, "No, it's a very pretty plant that we like a lot." And she'd try to pull it up, and we'd be like, "Can you stop? We 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 really like that it grows there. It looks really nice." But it's a weed. I'm, no, it's I'm, a wild plant. I'm mortified because actually I think some people who actually listen to this podcast, um, I was house-sitting for them back in uh, back in Melbourne 
and <laughs> such that was such it was such a generous thing they did and um they were coming to visit it was the first time for ages and i i'd uh oh he was so kind um i'd uh just looked at the garden going <laughs> <laughs> as a 20 you know whatever five-year-old six-year-old maybe and um Proceeded to pull up what I thought were a whole bunch of straggly things. <laughs> oh no, you just decimated their garden. I did. Oh. And I still feel just a little bit clammy even just mentioning it. <laughs> because bless him, of the two, he um, just very patiently just replanted them. And I don't know what happened. But yes, I um, I think they're, uh, I think they had a, too higher opinion of my um, of how green my thumbs were. <laughs> they got greener. I've they seen got, strawberries yeah. grown on your in your window box. Oh, yeah, but we used to have a big garden in um, in Melbourne. Actually, Elizabeth and I, tomatoes and zucchini and capsicum and you know, yeah, tomatoes were our, that was our lots of tomatoes. Mm. Do you miss being able to grow things? Well, actually, Elizabeth has. An extraordinary garden in our, effectively on our balcony, mm. actually in London, and she keeps that garden. It's fair to say I keep the worms. As uh, yes, as we know, unfaithful listeners, or as I like to think of them as ULs, um, our ULs and FLs, uh, they will know. Um, <laughs> why is that funny? I don't know because it just is ULs and FLs because it's taken us yeah. a year to be able to shorthand unfaithful and faithful listeners to our ULs and FLs. I kind of like that yeah. because this is right in your wheelhouse. We need to save time. Acronyms? Well, just, you know, a workflow model that will just be more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> If I didn't know you better, I'd think you were just having a little dig at me then, but I know you're not. You're just praising my ability to organize and, um, Simon, and I would, project manage. Simon, I would never have a dig at you. Just looking at project management, just looking at the things I'm supposed to do makes me... Wither. I get hives. My eyes start to water. I have to lie down in a darkened room until Bob says, it's okay, nobody needs you to do any work today. You can just rest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think about that. The thing about that, I'm a racist. Why are we even going down this path again? It's my fault. I, I just said the because you said cricket. I, I can't believe go... you fucking bring in critical race theory. Frankly, I would much rather talk about your dad's blazer. Does it have? Does it have a pattern? Is it a solid material? Does it have piping? Is there a badge at the pocket? I just would... there's a badge. Excellent. Talk to me about the badge. <laughs> I mean, we're we're testing this, really, aren't we? We don't. I mean, again, it's the, it's this trying to these lines between just how private a person she was, and then here I am talking about her on a podcast. You, you know, so I, you know, I'm very wary uh, of that. Um, also, she, you know, she because she listened to this not every time as. Um, some listeners may remember she wasn't a big fan of your swearing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will hold to the fact <laughs> that I have only ever protected your reputation because I knew that your mum listened to the podcast. Uh, there's some episodes I definitely did not send And thank God she didn't know how to subscribe to a podcast. And just in case, just in case there is some um, podcasting in heaven, mum... Um, 
you know, <laughs> you know, when I when I left home as a fourteen year old, and you said, uh, you said, I think that's okay as long as you go to church every Sunday. Um, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't quite make it. Okay. <laughs> of all of all the things that we have we have confessed to on this podcast, that's the bit that you're worried about. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, and the porn bits. <laughs> <laughs> and the watching 15-year-olds through a window <laughs> with no <laughs> See, when you say it like that, I it know. sounds really creepy. I know, it really does. What I meant to say was washing. No, there's no, there's no way to say it out of context. <laughs> I thought you were going to say watching the dishes and washing them. 